everyone, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. Garrett. And I'm David. Today on the show, we are talking about Marvel's The Avengers. But first, I want to remind you all that no matter where you're listening to us today, you can always find all of our episodes, including this one, available on SoundCloud, where you can leave us comments and share it and repost it. And SoundCloud's cool. It's basically like a, it's like a, it's like an audio social media, kind of. Yeah. In a way. So you can find us there at SoundCloud.com slash so many sequels pod. If you're a SoundCloud user and you're not following us there already, go check it out. Do it. All right, let's get into it. Yeah. Marvel's The Avengers came out in 2012, let's starring Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, um, Mark Ruffalo. Scarlett Who else am I forgetting? Scarlett Johansson. Jackson, Scar- Scarlett Johansson. Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Mm. He's in there as well. Jeremy Renner. Do we say him? May have not. And, and uh, not Colby Smolders. And Colby Smolders. Still in Stars Guard. Clark Gregg. Clark, Clark Gregg. Plays a pivotal Nobody role. Nobody cares, though. Uh, Sadly. Pivotal role. We'll get into it. No no one's going to be like, oh, this movie has Clark Gregg. Like, yeah, that's, no, it's that's, not that's a what I'm point. It's not I, a selling point, saying. but he should be pointed out. <laughs> aren't, aren't we forgetting somebody? Who? Stan Lee. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. There is a Stan Lee On cameo. a technicality. Um, so, if you listen to our our... Our big MCU episode last week. Bless you. Uh, bless you, and thank you for sticking with it. <laughs> hey, the discussion was great, but like I know people don't have an hour and a half sometimes. We ju- yeah. Oh, whatever. Yeah, so I listen to there my are car. podcasts that go two, three, four hours well, long. Well, that's true. I, I want to hear it. I listen to my car on the way to work, on exactly. the way back, and okay. usually I finish you guys' podcasts. Well, perfect. Um, so, I forgot my train of thought. Oh, yeah. If you listened to that episode, thanks for sticking with it. We tried really hard not to go into the Avengers too much so that we could save it for this discussion. So, now we're here and ready to do that. The Avengers wraps up uh, phase one of Marvel's MCU plan. It is the first movie of its kind uh, where we've got these uh, superheroes who all started out in their own individual origin stories and have come together for a big team up. Um, no one had ever done it before. Even though there'd been, there's always been talk about like Justice League movies. At mm-hmm. the time, they hadn't made any um, outside of cartoons. So this is the first live action, real, real big superhero team up movie. Mm-hmm. Let's start at the beginning, I guess, and kind of go through some some key plot details. Um, you want to do your one word thing? Oh yeah. Um, you weren't here for this, I don't think. No, I think we Were did you? it first. Did uh, we do we it, did for... it for Red Dragon? Okay. I think. So just to remind everyone, I'm going to ask everyone. To pick one word to describe this movie, one word only, uh, starting with Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) You can't. You can't. You can't can't describe it with an expletive. Guys, I'm going to quit. One word. It's not worth it anymore. Okay. You picked right. the F word. You pick one, yeah, one word. You said one word. And you pick, be... you pick one of the seven words you can't say on TV. Okay, we want let, you let me... to listen to this show with your kids. We really do. Okay, let me try. To be fair, let I me... mark all all episodes explicit. as as explicit just in case. Just, well, let... Yeah, because I answered. Well, it's like the subject matter is fine, but sometimes some words sneak out. Yeah, like <laughs> let, that one. Let me start again. <laughs> that one was deliberate. <laughs> let me start again. Great. Great. <laughs> Wow. Good all- you know, Good a, 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 an excellent synonym for, for that, that word. word. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, so Andrew has... I'll do a fly has, and start. Um, okay, well, that was a way to start. 
we'll go to David next. We'll go right. counterclockwise. I, I I'd actually had been thinking about you doing the one word <laughs> thing, so I came up with a few options. And I, in case Andrew said the one I was thinking, which he did not, <laughs> so I'm gonna go with revolutionary. Okay, it's revolutionary. Oh, I feel like I can't come up with a word. I'm gonna go with to, options to like. <laughs> <laughs> You can give put it put it in the randomizer. I'm gonna go no, with. I got a word. I'm gonna go with. It's bad. <laughs> You're gonna make me bleep twice now. No, uh, I'd say legendary. <laughs> legendary. Okay. Andrew has left this the studio. I can't wait for my, that. We are in. I can't wait for my sister in law to listen to this one. <laughs> um, I chose. Marvelous. Oh, there you go. There you go. Ah, that might be worse than the cuss. Nah. <laughs> you can't say a you, swear. You should bleep your you should bleep yours and leave the other two in. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bleep mine and yours. And the and the legendary. Oh gosh. That has thrown off my rhythm so much. I am sorry. So <laughs> the, <laughs> We've mostly been building to this movie through post-credit scenes mm-hmm. um, in in all the individual movies. We've seen the groundwork laid that Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury is uh, assembling a team of mm, fantastic people. Mm-hmm. And where to find them. <laughs> and where to find them. <laughs> <laughs> to basically be protectors of the Earth. Yeah. Avengers of the Earth. This movie opens with um, kind of a pre-credit scene type of thing. A little prologue of Loki up in outer space. Yeah, this is the only MCU movie, I believe, that doesn't open with the flickering comic book pages um, that have become fairly iconic. Uh, This opens, I think, just like with a blue shot of the Tesseract and then like just a plain Marvel logo. And then, yeah, like you said, we get a little prologue (laughs) with Loki that builds into Nick Fury uh, going to the Tesseract. I also thought it was smart for them to not focus on the people that we've seen so far to start with, mm-hmm. uh, to, to give us a little bit more of S.H.I.E.L.D. to mm-hmm. set that up, yeah. um, to make us care a little bit, because we still don't know a ton about Nick Fury. We mm-hmm. know enough. We see a little more of him. You get an idea of who Maria Hill is and, and what she does and, and mm-hmm. Phil Coulson and what he does. And so it gives you a look at S.H.I.E.L.D. itself, Rather than just jumping in to the main guys that you're going to see. And then it gives you um, Hawkeye, mm-hmm. one of the ones that you don't see. And right. the ones, and again, I think, it's, yeah. I, I think it's smart because people are going to expect to see the ones that they already know. But you have to also give these other people backstories. And if you just jump into Iron Man and Captain America and Thor, then you're going to lose the necessity to care about these other people who are important right. mm-hmm. so here getting black widow at the beginning getting hawkeye at the beginning and and the shield people at the beginning is a smart way to kind of give them enough backstory to where you care and know who they are right. and then jump into the people that you yeah. have already been established right. and we're thrown into the action i mean that prologue sets up um the the ultimate climax of the movie and and the uh where the conflict is uh, Loki is basically given a mission by some shadowy figure in mm-hmm. space to go collect the Tesseract for in exchange for um, basically giving him what he needs to take over the Earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he takes the deal. 
and we don't really understand the full um, powers of the Tesseract yet, but we get jumped right into it when um, uh, Loki lands on Earth and steals it almost immediately. Mm -hmm. We see how powerful he is right away. Yeah, Loki's introduction here is... It's kind of it would be really hard to make this movie ranking, but it's up there with best entrances in these MCU films. He comes in, he looks menacing, he seems very alien to the room. You know, like granted, he is an alien, but I mean, like the room is very a lot of uh, computers and people wearing lab coats, and then you know you got Nick Fury and some military kind of gear, and Loki comes in holding a spear, wearing this kind of like, I don't know what you would call it, pseudo-fantasy outfit. And uh, he's all wet. <laughs> he's like sweaty, you know, his hair is dripping. And he just comes across as like a totally new figure. And then he just melees, like swats through 20 people maybe. What I find fu kind of funny in hindsight is, uh, you know, Nick Fury knows Iron Man mm -hmm. and knows Captain America mm -hmm. at this point. Yet he has... Hawkeye protecting <laughs> yeah. the Tesseract. Yeah. The guy who's really good at shooting arrows. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's it's like his thing. Here's here's David's uh obligatory defense of Hawkeye. So it's established that actually the only the only Hawkeye makes one previous appearance in the movie Thor. Uh as a kind of a very brief, like less than three minute cameo in the movie Thor. It's kind of told to us that Hawkeye is a master marksman with any weapon. But for some reason, he prefers bows and arrows. He could he could be as easily deadly with a sniper rifle if he wanted to be, but he prefers to use bows and arrows. And we, we get little glimpses of him using other weapons over time. <clears throat> His weapon of choice when he goes to fight Loki in this situation is a pistol. Um, but he ends up getting his, his trademark bow and arrow through the film, or during the film. And uh, so uh, Hawkeye is... Uh, supposedly an expert assassin, expert marksman, expert soldier. But yeah, it is kind of like, why do you only have one person supposedly supposedly watching this valuable item? And why is it just Hawkeye when you have, you know, you have Captain America seemingly just training, you know, under your under your watch. Like, I can understand not getting Iron Man because, like, you he can't control Tony Stark. And Tony Stark's not, I'm not going to sit around <laughs> and watch this. But... It is odd to have like seemingly very only only one person as your main bodyguard, but it's an, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, and you see how uh, poorly chosen he was because he is immediately uh, mind controlled by Loki. Yeah, it's a bad and, moment for him and becomes a bad guy. Uh, so Loki takes Hawkeye and the Tesseract and prompts uh, Nick Fury to uh, activate the Avengers Initiative. He recruits Agent Romanoff, mm -hmm. Black Widow, to go collect uh, Bruce Banner, mm -hmm. who we get to see as Mark Ruffalo for the first time. Right. Um, Edward Norton. Previously. My mind blanked him. on him. Edward Norton was Hulk in the uh, MCU, the only MCU Incredible Hulk movie, and for whatever reasons didn't come back. I think he was not yeah. chosen supposedly right? yeah. he was difficult they said that he was difficult to work with Ed Norton, with difficult yeah. to work with i know he's very, no ed norton's very has very never heard such a thing he's, he's very, kind of one of those guys that he's a director in his own head too he's you very headstrong he's very headstrong yeah. he has certain vision that he's and he's very particular about how the films be presented yet he chose know? to be hulk you know he chose it. He thought, I, I guess he thought it was, and, and maybe, maybe the relationship he had while working with the Incredible Hulk, he thought was, it got worked. He had, he had a lot of 
creative input, and maybe he wasn't going to have that level of creative input with Avengers, and maybe it was yeah. his decision or mo- or their decision. They just thought it's not going to work. We need someone who's going to come in and be a bit more of a team player, I guess is how they kind of put it, but probably someone they could have a bit more, like somebody who wasn't going to rock the boat, so they went and got Mark Ruffalo. I was very against it for a long time because I liked the... I wanted. I thought the continuity would be kind of messed up by having a different person play him, but it's just kind of become that Mark Ruffalo is more beloved than Ed Norton at this point. So now it's weird having Ed Norton be in the first one. I think that uh, Ruffalo does a better job of being Bruce Banner anyway. I think that he's more of a. When I look at him, I see him more of a science Bruce Banner kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ed Norton, I don't get the smart guy sciency aspect. From he him. seems thoughtful, but it doesn't necessarily seem like. Super intelligent. Yeah. And I like Ed Norton, but yeah, I prefer Marky Mark. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so from there, then we get uh, our introduction to Iron Man. Yeah, Iron Man is brought into the fold. Um, Phil Coulson is sent to collect uh, Tony. Tony. In a very humorous scene. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, their relationship is great. Tony and Phil? Yeah. Yeah. Is this the point where you want nope. to launch into your Colson rant? Nope. We'll save that for once we finish yep. the plot synopsis. Okay. <laughs> nope. I've got, I know. I know where that comes in. Okay. okay. I'm uh, afraid of it. Then it after might, it that, changes how I handle the plot synopsis. After that, I believe. Well, maybe I might have skipped a point here, but they Not actually. Really, I, mean, I think I skipped Captain America's introduction, where Nick Fury goes to get Steve Rogers. Movie. Yeah. And it's a pretty good scene. That's actually a scene that was uh, slightly previewed at the end of First Avenger. Um, and and then we get sort of the full scene here, um, and from there they all kind of meet up on the helicarrier, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I I won't I don't want to spoil the whole movie, but what? It, why? that's where that's why everything picks up. Why it's not? Nearly ten years old. It is nearly ten years yeah, old. I guess it, I could. You shouldn't be. I'll give you a shout. listening if you haven't seen <laughs> the short rundown. They uh, they're a little antagonistic towards each other. They go and they get Loki in in Germany. Thor shows up. Things get more antagonistic towards one another. Loki's scepter, which we'll later learn in, gosh, in Age of Ultron, is actually contains the Mind Stone. The Tesseract contains the Space Stone. These would end up being major uh, key parts for the movie Infinity War, these Infinity Stones. And so there's an element of whether or not this Mind Stone is affecting Loki. We see it actively affecting the members of the Avengers. They get into a very heated fight after capturing Loki that seems to be pressured by the Mind Stone. And if you look, if you pay attention, there's a specific scene where they're all in a room. They're all fighting. The camera does a sort of upside-down flip around the, 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 the scepter and the Mind Stone. And if you look, you can watch and see the characters sort of like grimacing and sort of like grabbing at their their foreheads. I notice it in particular with Tony Stark. He sort of like grabs his forehead in the middle of the fight like he's feeling the effects of something. So like, has that same power been affecting Loki? Is that why maybe he's acting somewhat differently, somewhat more irrational than say we've seen in Thor and we've seen since? That's all kind of like questions that are sort of unanswered, but definitely could be debated by from by a fan standpoint. After that, Loki manages to uh, elicit the reactions he wants. The Hulk comes out, destroys a lot of the helicap, helicarrier with the help of Hawkeye. And then you get your climactic battle. They rally around the death of Phil Coulson during, mm-hmm. the, during the battle of the helicarrier. They go to New York. They have this awesome battle. There's amazing moments in it. Uh, the characters feel cool. We get an iconic shot of all six in this circular shot around them. 
and uh, they defeat Loki, and then they go their separate ways, and that's pretty much the whole film. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and then they eat shawarma, and they eat shawarma, which, which fun fact was the so the post credit scene of that movie, the shawarma eating scene, was not a part of the initial release. It almost didn't happen. Almost didn't happen. I'd read that too when they released it for. Uh, uh, it's debut night, like in Hollywood or whatever. They filmed they do it after debuts. the premiere, right? After the premiere. The big Hollywood premiere didn't have anything after the credits. And Joss and some of the other people realized they needed something there. And so they built off the shawarma joke they had made earlier in the movie. Thank goodness for that. And I heard shawarma, shawarma sales actually went <laughs> yeah. went through the roof after I that. imagine. Well, you got to think, probably like your mainstream American audience probably doesn't know a bunch, a bunch of... Uh, I've never so, heard Probably of not that. very familiar with Mediterranean food. food. He has a very obscure food. Never yeah. heard of shawarma. There you go. Did, have you eaten it since? No. Well, no. What, what, what the I, heck, I mean, man? And I love Mediterranean food. just never had shawarma. <laughs> yeah, Andrew's yeah. very diverse. He'll eat chicken nuggets. I've also never had Mediterranean place. food, but I love it. <laughs> That's so, the way I feel like your brain what, is right now. What is, um, what, what's, <laughs> what are your favorite scenes? What's everyone's favorite scene in this movie? Uh, I would have to say I love the character introductions of everybody here, but my one favorite scene has to be what you just what you just described the whole movie no (laughs) sure why not the the circular the circular shot where they're all you know they're all assembled Mm -hmm. that still gives me chills yeah nice it's an iconic moment it's a very iconic moment and there was also one other scene during that final battle and it's all one unbroken shot yeah where it's you see you see iron man you see iron man he flies in and he helps out cat america then we go and see hawkeye and then we go over to the, we see uh, Black Widow, and then we see uh, Thor and Hulk on that giant flying worm. And then they end it all with Hulk punching Thor. Yeah. It just, right. you, can't, you can't get any better than that. You really can't. Okay. Next favorite scene? I just talked a lot, so I'll let Garrett go. Okay. <laughs> uh, I very much enjoyed the introduction to Black Widow. Mm, that scene Very is, cool scene. Is, it sets her up as a badass, <clears throat> and to this day... The fact that we have not got... I know there was one in the works, but the fact that it took so long to get a standalone Black Widow film is a disservice, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, she is so awesome. And this scene really sets it up because you see her and she looks like she's in trouble and getting interrogated by these Russian bad guys and whatever. And then all of a sudden the phone rings and it's Phil Coulson and he's like, we got a plane. Let me talk to the girl. And she's like, what are you doing? Yeah, she totally I'm in the middle character. of something. Yeah. And I love that the, all the mobsters are like, what is happening? Huh? But she like, just just the, the reveal that her being tied up and captured and interrogated was part of her plan. Yeah. Like, she, no, this is all, this, yeah, this is she, how I figured it'd go. She yeah. and the other guy, the, the main guy, have like a very funny exchange where she goes, this guy is giving me everything. And he kind of goes, no, I'm I, not. I, I not give everything. <laughs> <laughs> And then all he had to say is, Barnes has been compromised. And then immediately the switch flips. She whoops all their asses, picks up her shoes, and is like, where do I need to go? I know. I was like, give me more Black Widow. Black Widow is here. It gives you, and it gives you an immediate, like, mystery of, like, okay, what's the relationship there? Mm -hmm. If that's all it took. Because, like, she's fighting it the whole way, and then she hears that one statement, and Mm -hmm. it changes her whole mindset. There's a, it's like, okay. Now I want. I really want to know more about the character. Well, and it sets up for later in the scene where she goes in and talks to Loki. Yeah. And Loki talks about <laughs> unleashing the monster, and right. that sets up her ability to understand, like, oh, he's going to unleash Hulk. Right. That's been his plan the whole time. And Loki's right. like, what? 
Yeah. She's just so smart and so good and deserves it. I wonder if... I've always wondered why they didn't make a Black Widow movie. I wonder if maybe Scarlett Johansson wasn't as interested as maybe she... As maybe they, they could have been. Or if there was something to do with how they write that character. I tend to think it's more she, behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. All, mostly because, you know, there's also the fact that they've been criticized for their lack of Black Widow toys. Mm-hmm. They just didn't really embrace Black Widow as, a, and I, I, as a character like they should have. This is something we probably should have talked about in our MCU discussion, but there was a point after Age of Ultron where they dissolved this board that used to have a lot of say in Marvel movies. Mm. Um, it, was a, it was a board of, I think, five heads of Marvel that were representatives of the different branches Marvel has, one of them being the studios, one being the toy companies, one being the... Uh, a comics and then another one being uh maybe tv you know so you have all these branches and they had input as well and like toys are saying like hey we need the villain to look like this so because that's going to be the toy that sells mm-hmm. the most we need female toys don't sell as well so like we need more male characters things like that maybe that influenced it i don't know but i'm glad we're going to get it now yeah i think that something that's helped black widow a lot is having that mystique of not knowing yeah and so we'll see how her film does on its own uh, Josh, you go ahead. What was your favorite scene? My favorite scene s- still gets me hyped up every time I see it. It's when Loki comes down to Earth and makes himself known to the world and has everyone bow before him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he goes, um, uh, there are no men like me. And the old man stands up and says, there are always men like you. Yeah. Oh, it gives me chills to hear him say that and stand up against him. Oh, and so then good. Cap comes down. And I'm paraphrasing, but says something along the lines of, you know, the last time I was in Germany and there was a guy who wanted to take over the world, we didn't get along. Yeah. And then they just whoop on him. And yeah. Iron Man comes in and starts yeah. shooting. It's oh, a big yeah, big whoop party. That line being delivered I love it. by uh, just a random old man. Yeah. It's better than if Cap had delivered it. Oh, it's yeah. better than if anybody delivered it's it. It's so much more powerful for an average person yeah. to stand up to this uh, literal godlike figure. He is yeah. a, he's He's an all-powerful being to a normal person Mm -hmm. and after the destruction he just unleashed to stand up and say no there are always men like you and i don't care about you're just another one in the line i'm not gonna kneel you know i'd rather you know it's a very i'd rather uh die on my feet than yeah than than die on my knees live on my knees yeah Mm -hmm. um my favorite scene and i guess you couldn't really you know it's it's maybe too short to call a scene but my favorite moment is i'm always angry just the build up the build up to that moment and then the delivery of the line and then the execution of that hulk out to me like i was in the theater i i I don't remember if i yelled out loud but i very well might have because he's just like he's just kind of like so calm and just idling up you know and uh you know it's it's a little it's a little it's a little cheesy it's a little camp but you know captain says dr banner now might be a really good time for you to get angry. And he just like turns around and goes, that's my secret. I'm always angry. And then he just, and you get like, for one of the first times ever in cinema, I think in his cinema debut, you get like a hook out that's like slow. And like, you see the entire moment on screen punches the hell out of that giant alien monster and stops it in its tracks. It's just, uh, uh, it's wish fulfillment at its best of like seeing that character on screen. It's, what, My, it stands out. It's such an iconic moment. What's so great to me about the pay, that payoff is before that you get the scene where they all have erupted into this argument, like on the ship, mm-hmm. and Bruce does the, it just starts to monologue a little bit, mm-hmm. where you can tell he's about to Hulk out, yeah. and then they're interrupted and he doesn't. Yeah. But that that build up to his almost Hulk out was amazing. Yeah, and, it's and it followed, made the real one so much sweeter. And it's followed up by 
you know, he does Hulk out just a little bit later, and it's very much like an uncontrolled moment, like he's lost control. And it's very, they present that version of it very scary and very like, uh, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a werewolf transformation, you know, where it's like very slow and he's trying to fight it the whole way. And it looks like it, it looks like it actually hurts him. And then he's like a monster in the shadows chasing after Black Widow. And this is like, there's no fight. He's like totally in control of it as he, as it happens. And it just feels so earned. It's such an earned moment in the movie. And yeah, I, I love that scene so much. I think it is my favorite scene, even with all the other great ones in this movie. The conflict between them all is really important, I think, because <clears throat> you see what they're capable of individually throughout their movies. You see them come together when they're needed. So the introduction to Tony and <clears throat> Cap fighting Loki for the first time it makes so much sense for both of, both of their characters mm-hmm. in that <clears throat> Captain America stands up to the bad guy and does the Captain America wholesome, hearty thing. And then Tony Stark comes flying and is like, did you miss me? And like, got the music playing. He comes in, he swoops in, he beats up Loki. And they introduce each other to each other for the first time, which is something that I think is an underrated iconic scene where they like meet for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then they go back and you see the struggle of Captain America and Tony Stark both trying to be leaders Mm -hmm. in their own way and they kind of and they clash about it and that expands into everyone else you know uh they find out about weapons being made with the tesseract right and it leads into this big giant cluster of arguments and then they get attacked and then everyone's like there's this big fight between cap and tony where cap is egging tony on to put on the suit so they can fight and then the engine explodes and then cap goes Put on the suit. (laughs) Like we need to And then it's like they form together. So you see what they're capable of, but they're incapable of being it until the most important death in the Marvel universe, (laughs) Phil Coulson. Yeah. The 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 foundation laid here of the the relationship between Tony and Cap might be the greatest success of the MCU is putting these two characters together that are so that are so opposite to each other and yet at their core they're very similar guys but their outward style is just so different yep. they clash almost immediately but that clash is sort of is sort of kept in check by the fact that they both have the same general moral feeling mm-hmm. of like you know you do you know you got to do right you got to protect others that kind of thing cap very much starts as a follower and Tony very much starts as a very individualistic kind of person. And to see how they have sort of ebbed and flowed through the MCU, crossing each other in Civil War, which we'll get to it in another podcast down the road, where they kind of switch, where Tony sort of becomes more of a follower and Cap says, no, I can't follow anymore. I'm going to, you know, I, I this is my, me rebelling for what I believe in. It starts here. This is a very big foundation of what might be the most successful relationship in the MCU. And they kind of paired them off like that. Bruce is Bruce has a lot of interaction in this movie with Natasha. That's kind of their duo there, Tony and Cap. Thor's kind of off by himself. He has a lot of scenes with Loki and he has a lot of scenes with Clark Gregg and Nick Fury, but for the most part Thor doesn't like get like a partner scene like a regular scene partner like those other four. Um which uh might be why Thor kind of feels um sort of left out in a lot of these big moments. Uh, he has a lot of big moments in the movie, but he, there's no, like, there's no, like, Thor has a big clash with an individual character like he does, like the other, like the other four do. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a very yeah, it's a very good point about the foundation of their relationship being laid in this movie. It's very clear because uh, really, in the heat of that moment, you want to hit both of them. You want to shake them and say you're both being stupid. Mm-hmm. You are literally fighting each other mm-hmm. while people are trying to take over the earth. Yeah, you both need to get over yourselves. Mm-hmm. And do what's right. And they do, eventually. Right. But it's it's in the heat of that moment where you hit that point, and that's when you see, like, their, their very uh, drastic differences. Right. They tease it up to a point, <laughs> and then they're sort of, you know, forced to, okay, we've got to put differences aside and work mm-hmm. together for a while. It's brought back when they have, when after Coulson dies, they have a kind of <clears throat> dispute in the, uh, the, can- the, the, the room where Coulson died. The room they get into a fight where you know Cap says it's the first time you lost a soldier, and Tony reacts very viscerally to that, saying that we are not soldiers. You know, like that's not how Tony's ever envisioned himself as somebody who follows orders and maybe kills people just because he was told to, or something like that. And interesting they get for very, a guy who makes military weapons, right? For a he's living. he's rebelled against that against that. Uh, against he wasn't that doing notion. it directly. That's been that's been part yeah, of his it's a, entire it's a shit cop out, but it's a that's cop been out. his part of his entire arc is him sort of trying to <clears throat> correct his legacy and correct what he's been known for and try to change that, and he's he's very much rebelled against that idea, and so he's confronted with Cap, who's still very much a part, like very much believes in the idea of soldiers and very much believes in the idea of uh, people being people putting their own lives at stake to protect others, and they get very close to having that argument again, but then. It's cut off by Tony figuring something out about Loki, figuring out what what Loki's trying to do. So we get those little touches, those little gleams, and we'll see more of that in Age of Ultron. We'll see it in Civil War, and we'll and we'll and and we don't see we we'll yet to see Infinity them reunite War. in Infinity War. We'll yeah. see hopefully see them reunite in Endgame and see how this relationship comes to comes an to end an end maybe, right. or maybe comes to a some sort of resolution <laughs> in some yeah. way. I, I want to go back to Coulson's death because I still say, in my opinion, and this might be my own opinion, I think that Phil Coulson's death in the movies is the most important death to the Avengers. Okay. And in the Marvel Universe to this point. Because without his death, would not have happened. Yeah. Without yeah. the death of Phil Coulson, who... It's a shame that they don't bring him back even in flashbacks because like that again that death is what did it. Yeah. There is nothing that there is nothing bad that people can say about Agent Phil Coulson in all of the movies that he has been in. Yeah. Whether it's the early ones or in recent Captain Marvel because he always does the right thing. Mm-hmm. He always puts himself he is the he is the non-superhero Captain America. He's such an everyman. He he could literally be anybody in the audience in yep. this sort of, you know, like he doesn't look like a superhero and he doesn't uh, necessarily, and he doesn't have anything super heroic about him. But just the fact that he is a part of this group and then the fact that he stands up to Loki, much like the old man and much like, I think there's another character that has an interaction with Loki in that respect. But he stands up to him when he... he he doesn't have a, a real chance against Loki. I mean, he has this we- he has a weapon, but he doesn't. But there's no guarantee. And we all kind of want to be that guy in the movie. We want to be the guy who, even though we're maybe not Iron Man, or we all we all we all want to be Iron Man. We all want to be Captain America. But we all, I think, can see ourselves as Coulson. Well, and we and go know, knowing a little more of the background of Phil Coulson because of the comics and the the TV show, he is just a fan. 
He yeah. is a fan yeah, is. of superheroes. Yeah. He, I mean, he has the Captain America trading cards. Right. He is got that relationship with Tony Stark where if you know people see it on paper, they think that Tony doesn't like Phil because he's an authority figure and Tony doesn't like authority. But like you see when he dies, the effect that Phil Coulson had on Tony Stark's yeah. life and, and with Pepper and all of that stuff. There's more respect there than it's let on. Yes. Yeah. And so the fact that they don't use him and his death beyond this movie is a letdown. Now, being a part of the show or watching the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know that he's back to life and they're separated, whatever. But even in Captain Marvel, you see he doesn't know what's going on. He's brand new, fresh out the box. All this superhero-y stuff is crazy and weird. And when it comes to it, he trusts Nick Fury. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it all boils down to. I I once applied for a job at Marvel just for fun, (laughs) knowing full well that I wasn't going to get it. And one of the requirements they have you do was, in 140 characters or less, tell us who your favorite character ah, is. tweet. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and uh, I wrote that Phil Coulson was mine. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, you know, everybody, I was I was trying to find a way to stand out, really. But, like, I really do think about it. And he really is one of my favorite people who is, unfortunately, I think, probably forgotten by most of the people. And point. the impact that he had on the whole Avengers. Like, I know Nick Fury put it together, but without that death, I don't think it would have happened. Yeah, it would be interesting to see how they would play it without the death. Without For the Coulson. sake of the conversation, I feel like I could challenge that a bit. I, I wouldn't challenge the impact that his death had on them at all. But I, I, I don't buy the idea that um, they wouldn't have continued to be the Avengers after aliens attacked the Earth. Well, yeah, you're I, right. I don't. I think everything would have happened the same whether Coulson lived or died. Mm. I do think it impacted them a lot, but I, I don't think he was so important that he made or broke the Avengers. I do, because I think it <laughs> instilled the moral... I think that had they just formed the Avengers out of necessity to save the world, that would have been fine. But this gives it an emotional level that bonds them, because, you know, Phil, in this movie, showed his fandom and appreciation for Captain America and treated him with respect... And gave Captain America the stuff that Captain America wants. The attention and the the recognition and the appreciation and all of this. He had that relationship with Tony. Bruce and him didn't really have a ton of interaction, but you could tell that Bruce is smart. He He has his relationship with Thor that they kind of gave you a little bit of in his solo movie. Exactly. Coulson's in a lot of that. And then uh, they followed up a little bit here. He stood up to Loki in front of Thor and died. Mm Mm-hmm. And so all of them have this emotional bond connection respect to, for him, yeah. and, and respect for Phil. So when he died, that bringing them together and making them realize without them connecting, bad things can happen. Yeah. Like that just personalized it rather than having a mass, we have to save the world to save everybody. It gave them a perspective of if we don't do this together, people like Phil will die. It was as it was as Tony mm. says. Tony he says it made it personal, mm. made it personal, and you know and whether they would have they probably would have saved the world, yes, but maybe they develop maybe it's Cap and Tony specifically, Cap Tony and Thor, and, and Natasha, yeah, and maybe even Clint after he comes <clears throat> to, they realize that like they there's there there's an emotional weight to this beyond just like oh we, you know we lost twenty people I didn't know any of them, mm-hmm. but I lost somebody that I actually care for and respect and know really well. Andrew, you've been silent Yeah, I was going to ask if Andrew would like to join the show. 
No, no, no. <laughs> at any point. No, I'm just you ready to go home? <laughs> all I'm doing is that I'm just listening. Yeah. Because when it comes to when it comes to Agent Coulson, yes, I do think he has that impact. Um, I he is of this movie alone. He is really not my favorite character, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about him for the sake of this conversation. Okay. And uh, you, everything you guys have been saying is is completely correct, and I support it. Um. Yeah, I mean, Phil Coulson pretty much is the heart of the Avengers because, just like you said just a second ago, he is the he is the everyman. Mm-hmm. You know, he is the audience member. He is the the regular guy who just happens to be a part of this whole world. And then all of a sudden, in the in the midst of trying to do something heroic, he dies, and uh, more or less probably becomes a martyr. I don't know. Yeah, martyr. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, and. Ah. But like, yeah. kind of. But like, like, like Eric pointed out, he is mostly like even by the Avengers forgotten. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So it's hard to call not, him a martyr when he's not, not looked up to. They have not followed through on Coulson's impact. No, in, they dropped any, it. in any real way, and maybe that's because they they knew they had a show about it, and they didn't want to they didn't want to talk about Coulson, knowing that there was a show going on. Yeah, and the conflicts that might present from a storytelling standpoint of like well how do we keep referencing coulter coulter colson being alive and yet he's alive and been on like five seasons of a tv show at this yeah. point like it, i guess that's maybe what caused them to make who knows what would have happened had they not ever made an age of the shield show how colson would have remained as a character well and it's interesting to to look at that aspect because uh joss whedon wrote the Avengers, mm-hmm. and if you know anything about Joss Whedon's work, he's known for killing an important character like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also co-created Agents of Shield, yes. so he fully intended on bringing Coulson back uh, to yeah. life. It seems that way. And it is interesting that they never folded him back into the films in any type of way, especially when yeah. Joss continued into Age of Ultron. I was always curious that if at any point Agents of Shield got canceled, would they try to reintroduce Coulson in like an impactful way? You know, like, if it had ended... I mean, I think uh, Age of Shell started in 2013? 2014, maybe? And, like, so if it had failed in first season, could they have brought him back in some way into Age of Ultron? Could they have brought him back in Infinity War? Who knows? They could have gone any number of ways with that. <clears throat> but I agree. It's, it is a very impactful death. It's much more impactful than we'll get into in Age of Ultron. They have an impact. They have a big death there. And it's not Ugh. necessarily impactful for the whole group. I just had a thought that I don't feel like I want to get into. It's not as, it's not as impactful for the whole it's group. It's in the future. But and we've Off had mic. a lot of deaths in Infinity War, and they are impactful. But I feel like if you're talking about any one singular death that happens, yeah, I think you might have a good point of like, and as an audience, well, yeah, because outside with, of Infinity War, there are no real yeah, there's not with the, deaths. any kind with, of major deaths. With the hindsight, we can look at it and say maybe it's not as they didn't do as not enough with it po- after that moment. In the moment, in mm-hmm. the theater, when he, when when Coulson gets stabbed, and you don't know that there's a TV show and you don't know that, you know, other characters are going to die later or some characters aren't, or they're never going to reference Coulson again in that theater. There was not anybody that was like, eh. like it was yeah. a shocking and terrifying well, he's just, death. He's just so unlikable. Yeah. Yeah. He's just so likable, and Loki stabs him right to the chest. And, and the entire and, audience reacts in, com- in, in these comic book based superhero movies. Nobody dies except the hero's parents. Right. Mm-hmm. So for someone else important to die is a shock. Yeah. yeah. Him getting, the whole crowd, rea- it's a verbal, it was a verbal reaction in my audience. Nobody wanted it to happen. He's just, and he's 
lying there on the ground and he says the line I mean, Garrett he kind of echoes what you're talking about here you, you're echoing him where he says this was never going to work if they didn't have something to and he and he dies and he dies and you could assume that he was going to say is they didn't have something to avenge yeah and I you know like I was talking about it with my wife and she said do you think he's it seems kind of conceited to be thinking like oh I'm going to get to be the reason that they're become the Avengers now but I think he's just thinking like he knew that all along. He knew that like they're gonna have to have some kind of emotional attachment that's gonna make them work as a team. Otherwise, they're just gonna be people who work together. Yeah. And he goes that I knew this type of thing had to happen, and it's me, unfortunately. But I'm, you know, he's taking some level of solace in like, okay, I have faith. I can die right now having faith that they're gonna save the day. Right. Man, yeah, Colson is really. Um... Uh, he steals the show. I thought he, you were going to hate him or something. He steals the show in a Me? way, yeah. and he's also just like a key part of the film. There's not a lot um, to say outside of it. You know, there are a few key moments. There's the, the theft of the Tesseract. There's the first meeting of the Avengers. There's Coulson's death. And then there is the Avengers save the day. Mm. Those are the key moments. Yeah. And that final battle is just it's pretty cool wonderful it's, it's still good it holds up it looks good you know uh it, it it it's just so well done and and i know that a lot of the pro uh, some of the, crit- the criticism that comic book movies get is it all builds to a final battle at the end and blah blah whatever 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 yeah, they always they want to argue it's a fair about. critique they it always is, end but... in a world ending battle mm-hmm. always and it, it's fair to critique that not everything has to be the end of the world all it the time. You're right. right. And I but I think for the first time this one made sense. You know, mm-hmm. you have the 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 team of Avengers and this is the first time they're getting together. So there's got to be some kind of major crisis. Yeah. It's a it's a it's I mean a, it's the first time the world is seeing that aliens exist. Yes. Right. It's a yeah. damned if you do damned if you don't situation. If it's <clears throat> if it's if it's not threatening enough, it's like, well, do they need the Avengers for this? Right. And if it's too threatening, it's like, seems like they should have called the Avengers in way before this started happening. Like, it's a real hard situation to balance. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there is kind of that, like, well, it can't be the end of the world every time. Because right. then it, like, kind of deflates the whole point of it being the end of the world. But I feel like for the being the first Avengers film, I feel like this is, like, it's small enough being that it's isolated to just New York at this moment that it mm-hmm. feels right. It doesn't feel like it's too global and it doesn't feel like it's too isolated. It's a big enough city that people are like, oh, this is important. Well, and you know? the the Avengers the Avengers were never called together to stop this. They were called together to get the Tesseract Right, back. yeah. This is and their, far beyond what they did. Um, for lack of a better word, failure up to that point right. led to the alien invasion right. where they um, eventually won. Right. But yeah, they, they, they were never even uh, called for that. Mm-hmm. But... Nick Fury knew how important the Tesseract was. Mm-hmm. Now we know because of his interactions with Captain Marvel mm. um, back in the past. Had plans for, you know, this uh, situation. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I mean, I think we're approaching yeah. the end of the of, of this discussion uh, plot-wise. We still have, we'll go over box office numbers right. and stuff here next. Uh, were there any other final notes or anything about the yeah, movie? Yeah, I got two other little notes okay. here that I can give. Uh, one was, I want to talk about um, the Hulk's appearance, uh-huh. um, which we talk about Mark Ruffalo taking over. But it's also a new look for the Hulk, and it's been... Uh, since going on with this, Age of Ultron, Thor Ragnarok, and 
what we see in Infinity War. It's the most consistent look they've had for him on screen. Um, uh, I think it's what best Hulk's ever looked is is this new appearance um, in the 2008 movie for the, the the on the DVD. They talk about the look they went with there, and they wanted to really contrast it from what Ang Lee had done in 2003. They said Ang Lee's inspiration for Hulk's appearance was that of a bodybuilder. So he's really broad, and he's really like, I mean, he's mus- He's always muscular, but he just had this like thick neck, and he just looked really, he looked kind of, a lot of people called him like a fat Hulk. He looked like Shrek. And they, for the Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton, uh, if you're, you know, if you're a, a, a football fan they made him they said they wanted to model him more after like a linebacker like he's very fit and he looks both fast and strong he's very cut in that way for this they went all the way back they wanted to go with a more beastly appearance like he's very like almost simian in the way he moves in the way that his face is built he's very monstrous and i think it's the best they've done and going forward even into like thor ragnarok that they've done recently he's kind of gotten more of a, a human physique as he's kind of grown, as he's been Hulk longer, he's getting slowly more human looking while keeping the green. And I think that that's going to kind of come to a, a, a fruition here with Endgame in, in, in the future. And then, uh, oh, so I had some stuff that uh, Joss Whedon said. Uh, Whedon said that the interesting thing about this movie is that unlike the X-Men, who are all shared the fact that they're mutants in common, there's no like through line that makes these people similar. He said these guys don't belong together, and it's it's uh, they're a weird mashup. And the beauty uh, of that, the exciting part, is trying to solve that problem of how do you bring this group together because they don't have anything really in common other than all being Marvel characters. Like there's not they don't they're not all ex-military necessarily. They're not all former. They're not all gods. They're not all space thieves or whatever. Um, so he said that movies that he was a, he took inspiration from were the Dirty Dozen. Uh, the Abyss, His Girl Friday, Black Hawk Down, and uh, Doctor Strange Love were all movies that he took some inspiration from when making the movie. That's interesting. Nice. One other thing I want to say is I, I want to bring this up. Is there th- this movie has a lot? Whedon balances camp and drama really well. There's some really campy, cheesy moments in this movie. Are there any lines for you that are movies that are kind of like you cringe a little bit when you hear? Because there's one that my wife and I discuss every time we watch it. I can't think off the top of my head. No. I mean... I, There's always Whedon lines you roll your eyes at. Right. But you kind of love them still. Yeah. And I don't know what you're about... I don't know but, what line you're about to say. So, my wife, when Clint... When when, when Hawkeye is being sort of... Has been uh, brought out of his mind control. And he's sort of tied to a, bed, a gurney. And Black Widow's talking with him. She says something like... Um, I know you've been through a lot. And... <laughs> Jeremy Renner delivers it in such a cheesy way too. He goes, "You know that? Is that what you know?" And my wife thinks that's uh, that's hilarious. And then I love the follow-up where he just like leans back and stares off into the middle distance and goes, "Do you know what it's like to have someone go inside your mind and play?" <laughs> and she's like, "You know I do." It's just all so over the top and so over dramatic that it's like I still love it. But it's just like, what are, like, who, who directed, Josh, did you direct this scene? It's very overdone. And, uh, he had no, nobody was like checking on him for this. They go, hey, Josh, do you think this is a little over the top where he's like, uh, to be unmade? It's very like, 
it's very silly, but I still love it. I'm not gonna say it's like a bad part of the movie, but it's just, I always get a little giggle out of how over the top they're playing that moment. Okay, next, Andrew, and then we've got to wrap up. The, there's there's one more that I think of that's it's right at the beginning of that final battle, and it involves Hawkeye. It's just like Captain America's laying out his plane. He's like, yo, everybody, you do this, you do this, you do this. And he looks over at Hawkeye and says, hey, you need a tech point up there. And Hawkeye just says, it'll be my genuine pleasure. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. You yeah. Know, good for you. Um, I do have something here that just says, like, I think if anything holds this movie together besides the characterization, it's the humor. Mm-hmm. I think it has become kind of a staple towards Marvel movies, mm-hmm. and that's what I love about this. It just it just becomes it becomes a mixture of, of good action, of good intensity, and well balanced humor. You can't, and especially with uh, great writing. I will say the the writing of this is terrific. I agree with all of that. Uh, The Avengers made a total of $623 million in the United States and $1.5 billion worldwide. It came out the weekend of May 4th, 2012, uh, with an opening weekend gross of $207 million, which at the time was the highest grossing opening weekend of all time. Interestingly enough... It has been beaten four times since then. Yeah. <laughs> and only once by another Marvel movie. Yeah. Um, other movies out that weekend include... So uh, the Avengers obviously the, opened at number the, one. The unfortunate movies that came out the same weekend. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if they came out the same weekend. Oh, there was just that. Um, actually, no. There was only one other movie out that weekend, and it was The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. And oh. It, it debuted at 16. But the other movies in the top 10 are uh, Think Like a Man. Okay. The Hunger that's Games. A, that's a two-part. Right. The Hunger Games was at number three and, and was in its seventh week, so oh, that was okay. obviously a a massive movie as well. Good holdover. Amanda Bynes. Uh, think like a man. No. Okay. No, I think this, that's the Steve no, Harvey stuff. Yeah. yeah. And Kevin Hart's in that. He is in that. Oh. Okay. Um. Anyway. Sorry. Uh, the Pirates Band of Misfits, which I think is, uh... I think it's a VeggieTales movie. I thought that too, but now that I'm looking at it, I don't think it is. I think you're thinking of Jonah or something. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a, it's just a claymation film from the people who make Wallace and Gromit, isn't it? Possibly. It stars Hugh Grant and Martin Freeman, so I'm gonna go with yeah. Yeah. But it is an animated movie. Uh, The Lucky One, Mm. starring Zac Efron and Taylor Schilling. I don't remember that movie. I don't remember that. The Five-Year Engagement. Oh, my wife loves that. Uh, yeah, Kumail Nanjiani, Jason Siegel, Emily Blunt. That's a great cast. Chris Pratt, future Marvel guy. Kevin Hart again. Um, Safe, The Raven, Ch- Chimpanzee. That's gotta <laughs> oh, be, it's oh, a Disney. That's got to be like an anime. It's like a Disney a, like nature a documentary. Movie. There it's you a go. Disney nature movie. And then uh, the Three Stooges. <laughs> oh yeah, with Jim the, Carrey. Uh, no. no, the Sean Hayes, Will Sasso, Chris. Oh, Will Sasso. Dia that's right. Topolis. Yeah, Will Sasso took over for Jim Carrey. So, uh, really, uh, outside of the Avengers, really terrible weekend. Not a great weekend. I mean, the only other really good movie in that would probably be The Hunger Games, and it was seven weeks old at that point. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the box office numbers for The Avengers. And that's... um, At this point, I think, still the third highest grossing of the MCU behind Infinity War and Black Panther. I can check on that real quick. At least uh, domestically. It's harder to find... The worldwide numbers. Worldwide numbers can be somewhat inconsistent. Yeah. So in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, The Avengers is the third highest grossing film. Yes. Yep. Behind Infinity War and Black Panther. Where's Captain Marvel on that list as of recording? As of recording, which is two weeks in, mm-hmm. it's about to enter its third weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the 13. 13? It's yeah. only 13? Oh. 
thought it was higher than that. But well, there's been a lot I mean, of movies. The, there's the been gross, 20 movies, so yeah, it's almost a, at the halfway point. The grosses in the U.S. are not very high. Yeah. Well, it's, they're high, but they're not like... It's it's working its way up, though. It's halfway up. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been out two weeks. Yeah. And it's already beaten The Winter Soldier, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man and the Wasp, both Thor movies, the first Ant-Man, Captain America, and Incredible Hulk. Yeah. And by by next weekend, it will it will likely have beaten Iron Man 2 and Thor Ragnarok. Maybe go. even Iron Man 1. So it's going on its way. That's so, right. next, um, let's guess the score. All right. I'm going to pick 90. 90? All right. Even 90. Aaron, uh, Andrew? Uh, I am going to go with 92. I'm going to... Sh- oh, I'll go with uh, 92. I'm going to go with an 85. What'd you say? 92. 92. 90, 92, 85. Yeah. I will say... I'll say 91. 90, 92, 85, 91. Because I feel like even though I, I, I'm i one downing Andrew. You said 90, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. You're right in between them both. I'll We're say 95 then. I'll go over. Okay. I'll so go over here's a critic's consensus. Thanks you might have nailed it. Thanks to a script that emphasizes its hero's humanity <laughs> and a wealth of super-powered set pieces, the Avengers lives up to the hype and raises the bar for Marvel at the movies. Anybody want to change anything? Nope, no. I still pick 90. And Although I, I think he's close. 92. 92, Andrew, oh, Andrew got it. nailed it. Andrew hit it right on the head. Boom. What's no. the audience score, 95? 91. Oh, I should have went with 91. 61, there's a woman in it. <laughs> I only went with 85 <laughs> because I don't trust critics, and I feel like they would have downed you it more than that. You think they would have downed it more, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good that it's still holding up at, after after six years. It's still at a 92. Yeah. Do they ever lock those scores in? Do they ever say, like, no, no more reviews for a, a movie? Not the audience ones, probably. How many, I uh, think eventually reviews just stop. How many in. critics reviews versus audience reviews? 342 critics. Wow. 1,133,574 for the audience. 1 million reviews from audience? Yep. Whoa. That's crazy. Are you sure? Yep. 1 million reviews for audiences? Wow. That's a lot of <laughs> I didn't know that getting an audience score was that easy on Rotten Tomatoes. All you had to have you like literally a, just, you all you have to count. do is pick the star count and it counts it. Goodness. That's a yeah. lot of reviews. Yeah. Yeah. And I think anything above three, I think three and up is considered pos- fresh. Mm-hmm. And like 2.5 and below is like. Is like rotten. rotten? Yeah. I think. I could be wrong, but I think that's how it. How it gestures out. Because like a 6 out of 10 movie mm-hmm. c- could be 90% fresh. Right. That's the thing people don't remember is it right. 90% fresh doesn't mean 9 out of 10 right. kind of thing. So then what are our individual <clears throat> rankings? 5 out of 5. 5 out of 5? 7 out of 5. Yeah, I give this uh, five, give this 5 full Avengers. And, uh, you know, we haven't done a weird, and, and, a weird number in a while. Oh, yeah. a weird I've been listening yeah. to your old podcast. Yeah. We've <laughs> we we been doing an old, uh, uh, a strange, uh, unit five of tesseracts, five shawarmas, five shawarmas. Oh yeah. yeah. Five shawarmas. Five full shawarmas. Okay. And a little bit after the credits. Yep. I'm also five. Cool. All right. Well, Perfect. that wraps up, uh, Marvel's the Avengers. We'll be back next week with Avengers age of Ultron. You can find us online at so many at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod. We're also up on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for us there. Follow us on all those things. Leave us your comments on Facebook or on our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash so many sequels pod. There's so many places to listen to us. Uh, there's no excuse to tell your friends to find us. Right. Surely everyone's phone can find us in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and uh, yep, share with the, your friends. Share the word. Please. Share the word. Spread the word far and wide. So until next time.
Anybody want some shawarma? I'm gonna go get some shawarma.